Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're chatting with a man who may well have kicked off the burger craze here in Australia. Hey family, hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. In today's episode, I'm super stoked we've got a legend of Aussie barbecue here on the show today. We've got Boomer from Boomer's Barbecue and formerly of Full Metal Kettle, but we're going to get into a bit more about that later on. Um, first, I've got some announcements that I need to run by you. The first is that we'd like to welcome our, our podcast partner, Heat Beads, to the show. They've proudly got behind us for this episode, and we're super stoked to be a part of, of what they're doing. Um, they've been around for over 50 years now, so they've been a part of the Australian barbecue scene pretty much as soon as there was a barbecue scene to be part of. So that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, so big thanks to them for coming on board. The next announcement is that if you're just at the start of your barbecue journey, we do have our free ebook available for you. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, have a bit of a click around. That'll uh, A pop-up window will appear, put your details into that, and we'll shoot that straight out to your inbox for you. Next of all, if you're watching us live, welcome. We are live in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. Um, it's all set up all about barbecue. All the guff is left at the door. We just got a whole bunch of nice people hang out, talk about barbecue. It's really cool. And if you are a part of that community, then you can jump in live on the recording with us. I can see we've got about, ooh, we've been live for less than two minutes and we've got more than a dozen people hanging out with us here already. Anyway, if you are joining us live, you can put comments in underneath the video. They will appear as questions that I can then put to Boomer later in the episode. So do come join us over at Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community on Facebook and you can be part of the show. Now, if you are watching the replay later on on YouTube, do give us a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching it on Facebook, we want a thumbs up and a comment and give it a share. That would be super helpful. If you're watching on IGTV, give us a cute little love heart and a little follow. And if you're watching on, uh, sorry, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do give us a five-star rating and review because it does tell Apple to push us further up the charts and put us out to more people like yourselves. Now, Boomer, Boomer from Boomer's Barbecue, formerly Full Metal Kettle. We're going to get the full story of that in just a moment. Boomer would be one of the oldest barbecue personalities that we have in Australia. And I don't mean oldest by age, I mean oldest by time in the scene. Um, he's known for his wild creativity and his ruthless consistency in competition. Um, if Boomer rolls into a competition, you know he's walking away with some hardware there somewhere. So today we're going to talk about that legendary team of Full Metal Kettle. We're going to talk about his new digital magazine, which is really cool. If you haven't checked that out, you really should. It's, um, it's pretty, pretty special stuff. And then we're going to get into some tips and tricks for you, to help you up your barbecue game from this legend of competition barbecue. So I think that's probably about all you need to hear from me today. So let's get Boomer in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Boomer, how are you, mate? Welcome to the confessional and awesome mustache, my friend. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Going good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's looking awesome, mate. It's looking really, really awesome. So it's it's not even um, November. Is that like a? Is that just something you're doing for fun in lockdown, or what's happening? No, with that? it was it was actually due to November. Um, long story, but we are a workmate passed away, and we raised money for his family. And I thought I'd probably end up just growing it for a whole year now, and then next November or this November, 
I'll, I know, diet or shave it or just, yeah, do something different and try to raise some more funds. Nice. So it's a nice, it's a tribute mustache. Yeah, sort of, pretty much. Yeah, you know, all the boys, all the boys at work got around, uh, got amongst it, and yeah. Mate, that's beautiful, man. That's some good work you're doing there. Okay, so tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Last thing I did was probably burgers. All right, tell us about those burgers. I do love hearing about them. They're just generally what I always love doing: bacon jam, smoked cheese burgers. That's it, plain and simple. Bacon jam, man. I I love bacon jam. Tell us a bit about yours. Um, I suppose it's something I've been, well, sort of, it mix changes every time I make it, but it's heavily sweet, I guess. Loads of bacon, lots of onion, whiskey, coffee, and it, yeah, over the years it's slowly evolved a little bit, but generally nine out of ten people love it. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything too wrong with, uh, with bacon and jam together, particularly with the bourbon in there as well. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I do love a bit of that. So when you do uh, cook those barbecue, uh, th- those burgers, what barbecue do you do them on? It and and is it your favourite? Um, I suppose I've had so many different barbecues over the years. So at the moment, like it used to always be in the Weber kettles with you know, um, heat beads briquettes or blunt charcoal, indirect and smoked. And then I've sort of evolved from that to cooking on drums, um, even the odd pallet now and then. But generally. If I was going to do a big batch for everyone, like offset's great, but I don't own an offset at the moment. So, um, but in terms of my most preferred way of doing it, it would be an offset, but I sold mine a couple of years ago, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that's a while ago without a, without an offset. So you are, you are using drums and pellets now um, in your competition yeah, yeah. prep? I, I use, I use the drums a lot. Um, at comps as well, we use the drums. Um, we usually do have a pellet just as a, not a backup as such, but it's one we might just do the chicken in while everything else gets punched out in the drums. Um, but then you know, all probably my most preferred barbecue these days, and it's not really for comp at all, would be um, a ceramic big green egg. Oh, right. Okay. Why yeah. do you like so the... I suppose uh, the... one of my food I, these days I prefer cooking is Asian-influenced Asian and different sort of flavours. So they sort of can do the low and slow if you need to be, but they also work really well at the high heats. Right, yeah. I, I've, I have heard that they are quite quite versatile there. So what, what yeah. size do you have? Uh, I've got the, uh, I think it's the XL, I think, or large. I need a bigger one. That's what I need. I need a bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's one that's one size too small. Exactly, that's it, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's rewind the clock a bit, mate. How did you get into barbecue? Yep. Um, I suppose barbecue, my family, like the, the old lady was always into cooking. Um, I always had a bit of an interest in it. And then we had this old, like that real typical, I suppose, nineties, eighties style custom, not custom made, but someone had built this big brick oven and it had a spit on it. It was a huge 10 mil bit of steel that just sat over the top of it. And, um, I would always cook on that as a kid, like doing the sausages and the hamburgers. And that slowly involved into when you always had parties at your house or when I went to mates, people's, uh, sorry, mates' houses, I was always the one who like, Boomer, you're cooking the barbecue. So that sort of slowly evolved into just doing the normal barbecuing, what we call Aussie barbecue. And then I think I got a Weber kettle when I was maybe 17, 18 or something. And 
that was the first time I ever did pulled pork and I still remember trying to pull it apart with forks for about an hour. And I thought it was the best thing ever. But <laughs> now Sounds I know like my way, first attempt way. too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the um, I'm curious what, when you said that your that your mother was the one that was um mostly into the barbecuing. It's 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 typically historically been dads. Um, although oh. we are seeing a kind of a movement now, we're seeing a lot more ladies getting involved now, which is awesome. Um, what was your mother's favorite thing to cook on the on on the barbecues? Oh. I suppose barbecuing, not per se, but she was more like when most people, I suppose, that I knew were growing up with all your meat and free veg, she was doing all different types of marinades on things and, you know, cooking Indian dishes that I thought were crazy back then that had all different types of fruit and all that. So we ate very different, like Indian, Thai, lots of marinated meats and all that, that was just not typical to what all my mates sort of, sort of growing up. Um, and so, but yeah, back then we we're always trying heaps of different types of food, and as not always barbecue as such, but just lots of different unique flavors, I guess. Cool. So, what kind of unique flavors were they? Um, as I said probably because it was. Uh, I'm trying to go back now, twenty twenty something or thirty years ago, nearly. It was more that we most as I said, veggies, meat, and that was it. Like everyone else was just having the simple sort of things, and Mum was making um you know, all these types of dishes with heaps of coriander and chilies and things that back then I hated, but I didn't like, the, they just seemed so different to what the norm was. So, um, and yeah, and nothing that stood out crazy as in these days it's normal, but back, yeah, back 20 something years ago, it didn't seem normal to us. And I suppose that got me always thinking a little bit more, more about food and, you know, same as like, I used to hate cat, coriander. I actually love it now. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. Stones, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny how those things turn around. I used to hate avocado, and now I'll, I'll happily go and pay twenty dollars for a smash to have on a piece of toast. It's yeah, ridiculous, yeah. And, <laughs> and and just a little embarrassing that I'll pay that much for yeah, a smash yeah. to have. <laughs> All right. So, um, tell us about Full Metal Kettle. Uh, Full Metal Kettle. I guess back in the early days of all the barbecue pages and that, whether um. I never was that interested in comps, I guess. And then a few different people had sort of reached out and said, listen, would you like to start a team? And I sort of said no, said no for about the first six months. And then one or two I sort of spoke to, didn't do anything about it. And then JB and Al approached me and they sort of seemed quite normal, I guess, on the phone. <laughs> and we caught up with them. They'd, done, they'd been doing a bit of catering think with a fella, I'm going to probably get this wrong, but it might have been seven fires out for the baseball teams out on the Western suburbs. So they had sort of been lending a hand there. So I was like, well, those guys know how to cook a bit. I was just playing around with weathers. And yeah, next thing we know, we formed Full Metal Kettle and showed up to the first company Creekside back in, might have been 2016 or 17 with about 10 different weathers and got a first place pork ribs in our first comp. Nice, and I assume it was just down the rabbit hole from there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's sort of we did three comps as the full team, and then JB and his family moved over to Qatar the last three or four years. Wow, so that sort of threw a spanner. Yeah, that sort of threw a spanner in the works because JB was the man who was all about making the flavors, making the own rubs, all that sort of stuff. We, me and Al knew how to cook, but he was sort of the flavor guy, so. 
once he left, then it was like, okay, crap, I'm going to have to figure out how to do some more things as well. And it was just a snowball effect, I guess. Yeah, and and how has has JB said the uh, the barbecue scene in Qatar is? Very quiet, but he actually just got back last month. So now, oh, okay. um, yeah, he he got back. So I've already seen he's cooking crazily now. <laughs> nice, nice. There, there was a fella from another team up here who went to live in Dubai, and uh, yeah. I I I, I kind of thought, oh. I'd, I don't know what the barbecue scene's going to be like over there. And so sure enough, he's putting up photos on Facebook of his pro queue on the 43rd floor of this giant apartment yep. building that he's living in, 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 in yep. Dubai there, which is yep. pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I understand that, uh, that full metal kettle has been retired as a team. How, why did that sort of happen? Um, it was sort of, I suppose, just a bit of a change. Um, Al, it was myself and Al for the majority of all the comps. And we um, had Dean helped us out at the end for three or four comps. And then we sort of just wanted to do our own thing for a little bit. Al was getting back into doing his music and pushing that hard. Dean wanted to do some of his own stuff with videos and all that sort of stuff. And um, we, yeah, we just sort of went our own direction in the end. I'm sure, though, now that JB's back, there will be a reunion at some point, I'm sure. Did we get the band and, back together? Um, yeah, yeah, and then Ross, who was from Firehouse, he was just around the corner from me, so he used to help us load the trailer a lot. And then after a few times of that, we sort of said, how about we form a team together? Because it just sort of made sense that we lived 200 metres away. I don't know how he became so close. He, I think he was trying to buy the house next door, I reckon. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So that, that happened, and then we... Before, I think, well, we did one comp together of another sort of format. And then um, Jeremy from Moist ended up joining up with us. So there's the three of us now. But, yeah, one comp down and then they did a comp in Adelaide and then COVID happened. So. Yeah, that kind of uh, cut things a bit short there, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what So what did you keep yourself occupied with during d- during COVID? Were you sort of cooking in lockdown? I've I'd, I've been talking to a lot of people who used that time to, you know, sort of hone uh, rub profiles and all that sort of stuff. What did, yeah. what did you use that time for? I'll be pretty honest. I did nothing much at all. <laughs> Drank beer um, and played PlayStation. Yeah, I was still working. I was still working. So I missed a little bit of time. Like I might have missed a week or so, but most of the jobs I was on were still readily able to work. So we did. Um, didn't have that much time for cooking. Um, spent a lot of time with the family which was good trying to do obviously heaps more with the family. And I suppose if I did do any cooking, I was exploring a lot of other cuisines, I guess. Um, not your typical American barbecue. I was trying to, yeah, go down, whether it be some Indian sort of style dishes, still using charcoal or briquettes, but using the techniques that you would for say low and slow, but completely different types of dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if, if full metal kettle returns, do you think we'll see some of that research and that uh, those other flavor profiles kind of making their way into some uh, some hand-ins there? Probably not for comp. I mean, JB did have some very unique sort of style flavors he used to run, and like they were really tasty and they did really well. Like the chicken glaze that he made, we pretty much ran for the whole time of Full Metal Kettle. Al took over the reins of making the glaze, and I think. 
Uh, I should be able to look there all on the wall there somewhere, but the amount of chicken trophies, like there was a killer glaze. Um, so I think our flavor profiles were a little bit different in some of the proteins. Um, I don't don't think that we'll go that crazy though into the sort of in Indian and some of the Asian flavors. I don't think they'll apply, uh, appease to all the um, judges, but you never know. Well, there might be room for it in some SCA ancillaries or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Now, I I actually saw some um some uh, video clips and things of you competing at I think it was Q Club in an SCA, but you were called something else. What was happening there? Uh, was it Sneeze or something? You were called Sneeze. Oh, or? That, yeah, that was the no, that was the one that Luke ran. So that was the um just Sneeze. So that was the comp that me and Ross first like Ross from Firehouse we teamed up, and that was the first actual comp we did together. And we ended up getting a wild card because it's a different type of format. So we ended up getting a wild card into the grand final. And it was the six grand, like the six winners of the other rounds, pretty much, plus I think two wild cards. And that was the first comp we ended up GC. Wow. That's heaps good. Yeah. So that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so are we going to see Just Sneens continue on, or was that just like a well, one off thing for a bit of fun? No, or? no. It might be for a laugh, but just means then rolled into what we are now called as kamikaze, really. Oh, that's you guys. Oh, yeah, so I, I, yeah. I, I never put that together. Oh, right. No. We, we haven't really posted much about it because we haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you probably pretty much just put the new team together and then it all got locked down and shut down. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So kamikaze is you and Ross. Yeah, and, and there was Jeremy. Th- and Jeremy. Right, that sounds yeah. like a killer team. Yeah, they've done well. Like with the first comp, we didn't do as good as we hoped, but then the boys went to Adelaide without me and they killed it. I think they got a first place ribs and maybe third overall. Up in, might have been up in smoke, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think up in smoke was one of the last ones last year before the, uh, before all the shutdowns happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. All right, now let's sort of let's um sort of change tack here a little bit. You're quite well known for your photography of the different um of the different foods that you cooked, and you get really really creative. And one yep. of them, not too long ago, actually picked up some awards at the NBBQA over in over in America. Tell us what was happening yep. there. Um, so that was I'd obviously heard of the whole competition, but really hadn't put too much thought ever into it, and. Um, Saffron actually reached out in the early days and said, you should try entering one day. And I think I entered three, I think three different photos into, I think the categories, this is, it's, even though it was only a couple of years ago, I've got this shocking memory. So one was live fire. One was might've been finished barbecue or something or plated barbecue. And the other, I can't recall. Might, or might've been action anyway. And I think we ended up getting a like I got a first place in one category and a second place in the other category. Yeah, so I, I think a, it was you. That was a stuffed squid. So stuffed squid got first place, and I think the second place was a live action shot with the flames and lamb ribs. Oh yes, yes, that was a good shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the stuffed squid was fascinating. Give us a bit of an idea of what you were doing there. Yeah, so the stuffed squid um was. Not actually my original idea. It was a fella who I think he's up Brisbane way, Tan. I think that's, I'll, I'll probably say his name wrong, but anyway, sorry, mate. <laughs> I've never actually met him, but we speak a lot. 
so he had done the post of like started trying the elements of doing that and then I sort of was like well man that looks crazy I've got to give it a crack so it was really just taking your chorizo and risotto sort of style filling filling the squid up putting some toothpicks back around the the hood and the head so it still looked as it was as a one piece then I suppose with a little bit of smoke doing it hot and fast but still indirect and then just trying to aim for the doneness slicing it pushing the parts uh sorry pushing each portion apart so you could see all the insides and that and um yeah I mean it was a killer shot but it also it's a really tasty dish it's just getting that tenderness can be a little bit tricky yeah right what sort of tips do you have for for making sure that you do get tender calamari on the barbecue um generally they either say cook it for really long or cook it for really quick so it's sort of that in between thing so i've tried doing different tenderizing methods like some you can just rub, rub it all down with salt you can do the kiwi fruit you can soak it in milk kiwi fruit. i can't say i've found any of them to be a fail-proof option i think it probably <laughs> just comes down to cook more yeah i think it comes down to cooking it right and that even i, I stuff up every second or third one because it's such a delicate sort of thing to work with. Yeah, I um I tried to do something with uh I think it was lime juice once, and you, you had to get the timing exactly right, or it denatured the the proteins, yep. and it, it all just went yep. awful. So uh, luckily, I I managed to get it right that time. It was delicious. Yeah. Now that that sort of creativity that you've got there, that's um that extends beyond just exotic seafood, and you've got this huge Instagram following now, and. Uh, I was just uh, sort of cruising through it there before. There's a whole lot of shots of some incredible looking burgers there. Where do you, where do you yep. get your inspiration for these wild, wild burgers? Um, I suppose for burgers, as much as I love a simple one, and that is my, like the bacon jam and smoked cheeseburger is simple. But then when I want to try to create other ones, I guess like I've done a barn me style burger. So use, you know, using, I, I like to think of what other type of food do I like. And then turn that into a burger, like making a, you know, especially with lamb, doing a souvlaki style burger. Um, the barn me burger, as I said, I absolutely love it. I put all the elements, little bits of crackle and all that sort of stuff in it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just trying to create something that you wouldn't normally eat like a burger and just going, well, why couldn't it be a burger? Nice. Okay. So thinking outside the burger. Yeah. <laughs> So what is the um what is the wildest burger that you've ever put together? Um probably my silliest and the least tastiest would have been the Lamington burger. Yes. <laughs> and that was that was just for giggles, but that ended up going crazy viral and other places doing it for Australia Day and all that sort of stuff and it was just for a joke and it might have looked okay but it was no good. <laughs> uh, I can I I actually can't eat them anymore because I I'm I I can't eat chocolate, but I can just imagine the sort of trying yeah. to pick that up and it just crumbling and just falling apart in yeah. the hands. It, it, it held together better than you'd think, but the coconut and the jam it just didn't really work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what's been the the most well received one? Was it that Lamington one, or or have you had other ones that have been sort of? Like, um, well, in terms of in terms of social, I suppose things like the uh, the Lamington burger went crazy, but I think just my normal smoked cheeseburger is what everyone when they eat it 
loves. Like, as I, I still get blown away by how many people, whether they're really into the food and burger sort of people or just, you know, just a random passerby who comes and tries one at an event or something. And how many people do turn around and go, man, that's the best burger I've eaten. Like, I, I don't, I think they're good, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've eaten so many of them, but it's, yeah, it blows my mind every time. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds so good. And what I love about the way that you do it too, is you have a, a really incredible way of presenting those burgers on the, on the plate yep. like that. How do you, like, did you, is there a course or something that you have to do for food, for burger presentation or how, how did you, did you just practice and practice and practice? How did um, you? I think, I think like, I think like the photos of the squid and the center, I sort of must just have a, I've been lucky. I've got a bit of an eye for it. So I think if some of my early days sort of pictures, they might not be as great, but I'm all about, and this is for eating them as well. I'm all about whatever dish I do. It's about contrast. So you have contrasting colors, contrasting textures and it sort of just came naturally I guess sometimes I put things together and it looks putrid and I don't take a picture but I think yeah it sort of just sort of came to me pretty easy and it was all about that just contrast whether it's in the way it looks or the color or the texture and that's it nice nice so what would be some good tips you give to people watching and listening about um about how they can make their burgers look uh you know insta worthy um Biggest thing I think for burgers is you got to work out your patty size. So generally I will make my patties to suit whatever buns I have. So I like a raw patty to be maybe 10%, 20% bigger than what the bun is. And then by the time you cook it, it's going to shrink to the perfect size of the bun because that's what I think looks the worst. If, if, the, if the patty itself's bigger than the bun, that's fine. But if you've got, you know, a, a burger, uh, sorry, a bun that is 10 centimetres wide and you put a little, you know, five centimetre patty in it, it's going to look terrible. So it's all about getting the ratios right as well. Barbecue, it's all about family. And a huge part of the barbecue family is heat beats. In fact, they've been fueling Australian family barbecues for over 50 years. So there's a very good chance that your kids, you, your parents and your grandparents have all eaten delicious meals lovingly cooked over heat beads. One of their most popular lines is their hardwood lump charcoal. It's 100% natural, chemical free and the lumps are large and consistently sized, giving you a reliable burn every time. It burns hot and is low ash, making it not only perfect for backyard cooks, but also commercial cooking units. So grab your favorite grill, your secret recipe, a bag of heat beads, and your nearest and dearest, and make some delicious lifelong memories. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, Boomer, let's jump into some of your more recent uh, projects now. Um, most yep. recently um, that I think I've seen was the video series that you did with Jay Beaumont. Man, those videos looked absolutely incredible. Tell us about how that partnership came about. Um, so that was, I was a little bit, I guess, bored, not bored, but 
I wanted to create better content. So with like Instagram and Facebook, all of them these days, it is hard to get engagement and or genuine engagement. So I was speaking to Sharon at Heatbeads. They're obviously they've been you know behind me for the last I don't know, I should know this a couple of years and really <laughs> supportive of what I want to do and I love using their products obviously. So I spoke to them and said, listen, I'd love to try to do some better content because. I'm a bit bored with just taking a picture of something I cook and just going, there it is. So yeah, long story short, I thought the man for the job would be Jay. And I'm, you know, after being in all his, his events and all that and seeing what he does behind the camera as well, he's a magician. So we ended up working together and not that everyone would know, but we shot like nearly 30 videos in five days at my place. Wow. Um, I took a week I, yeah, I took a week off work and we had like four or five barbecues going every single day and we were jumping around from barbecue to barbecue to barbecue and just trying to pump out as many videos as we could. It was like absolute blast. We're knackered by the end of it. But um yeah, I'd love to do some more because I think the reception of them has been really good and they're good fun and yeah. Yeah, right. Thirty videos in, in five days. How do you sort of keep that keep that in your head so nothing sort of gets burnt and you don't lose the video because you've burnt the food and all that sort of stuff? Um, you don't. We burn a few things. <laughs> so the so, uh, so, so the six yeah. videos that I've seen were Sorry. the only ones that made it out of the 30? Yeah. there was We only probably uh, – there was probably one or two videos on the first day, which we sort of just did as a trial that just didn't look good, like as in they cooked fine, but it just didn't look good. Um, we had a few little – good bloopers and errors that me and Jay are pretty tight lipped about. But um, then the only other, like the beans, we did beans and I thought that's something simple. We'll just leave the beans and we'd finished, we'd almost finished filming for the day. And then I'm like, well, why's the drum got all smoke coming out of it? And next thing you know, I lift the lid and the tray of beans is just petrified. It's just this black dust. Oh no. And we did film it, but we never actually really put a video together because it, I don't know, there wasn't much to it. I mixed the things up, I put them in, and then about five hours later, I'm like, here's a try, it's burnt. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would make some real good content. Although, if you did make a, um, like a blooper reel or something, there yeah. could be a few laughs in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Jay does some really just in- incredible stuff. What was he like to work with? Uh, brilliant, because even like this, with this interview here, I'm pretty... I'm pretty simple. <laughs> um, I, I use the same words a lot. I say a lot of the same sentences and Jay made it so, so easy. Like every time I was stumbling or couldn't figure out how to say it because he obviously knows how to cook barbecue as well. And he, you know, he knows, he knows just as much as I do really. Um, if I didn't know what to say, he could easily just go try using this word or try saying it like this. And um, yeah, we were, I think we worked together pretty well. Like, he, he knew what I was sort of capable of. We might sometimes take only one shot. Sometimes it took 10 shots. But if we ever did get really stuck and there was a few cooks that I was like, man, I'm, I'm done. I can't be bothered. I can't do this. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, do this. And bang, you'd nail it. So, yeah, he made, he made it so, so easy. Nice. So he was not just the, uh, the, the camera person, so to speak, but he was like a, like a all-around coach. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we, we had no script. Like, we actually came up with the ideas of what we're going to cook probably a week or so out from filming, but we knew roughly what we're going to cook. Um, 
And then when Jay showed up the first day at my place, he's like, hello, let's cook something. What can we nail today? So it was like, we just went through the list and said we can punch these out. And then after we finished for the day, he would sit down and go, what do you reckon we do tomorrow? So he was sort of like, we could film this, this and that, because he knew what, whether on the base of the weather or what elements and other type of things I was going to cook, what we'd have the time to shoot. Like you said, you don't want to burn certain elements. So yeah, he, he made it so, so good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And they've been really well received too. They've, they've, they've all had, yeah. you know, tens of thousands of views and it's yeah. um, what, what sort of opportunities have come to you since you've done that, uh, that work? Um. I've had, a, I've had a few. I haven't like it hasn't gone crazy, but there's been a, like a lot of like in terms of engagement, my page itself, like especially the Facebook page. The Facebook page went really good. Like picked up thousands of followers, heaps of people who have stayed engaged, asking all the questions. So on that side of things, it was really good. Um, I've had a few different other brands sort of reach out saying we'd love to do some work with you. Which obviously then COVID really to be honest, COVID happened straight after it. So we didn't really get to pursue too much of it. Um, see what happens when we ever get back to normality. But um, obviously, I know I've seen, you know, Jay's done some more great work, been working with heaps of different brands as well and sort of doing the similar videos and they all look brilliant. So, it's, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm surprised that it was that long ago. I'd, I would have sworn I just saw them like three or four months ago. But you're saying that was yeah, before COVID. Yeah, well, a few of them, I suppose, were sort of, drip feeding them every month and I can't remember the last time we when it was shared but um I think they we started sharing them about a year ago so probably by the end of sharing them all it may have only been about six months ago or so and then they pop up all the time like I still get you know ones that were posted that long ago and they go crazy for a week you keep getting notifications every day then they go quiet and then a week later you get all these new ones again so they're obviously still just floating around yeah, yeah, they're, they're obviously popular and, and for an obvious reason. Now, yeah. sw- switching mediums now. So you did yep. that beautiful video series with Jay Beaumont and now you're working on a digital magazine. Tell us about that because that's a really interesting sounding project. Yeah, so I suppose that was another one that um, Sharon approached me with that and said, let's try to build on your videos because the videos are short and sweet and that's how I want them. They, I don't want, with barbecue, I don't think you need to load up like, once you understand the fire and the meat and all that, there isn't a whole lot to it, but some people obviously like to follow recipes a little bit more. So it was more to turn a video format into a mobile book that people can access on their phone or their laptop and always be able to see it and have all the steps put in text rather than actually just having to listen to me talk. Nice. Nice. So that's a bit of a co-project then with, with heat beads. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah, they've, they've, done, they've got some really good ideas. Usually a lot of their ideas are, you know, straight, obviously they come up with them and I'm like, yep, yeah, we can make something work like that. So it's been, that's been a really brilliant sort of partnership, I think. I've, yeah, enjoyed the, the whole lot of it. Awesome, yeah. So, I mean, like I, I understand how, how videos are made and all that sort of stuff. How does one go about making a, a digital magazine? Uh, that was all outsourced and way above my brain capacity. <laughs> <laughs> um I just had to sort of sit down and build on the recipes, like put a few more steps in there. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a decent sort of process because like I built on the recipes and went into a lot of detail at first, where it was almost not a story, but every recipe had a, you know lots of info about 
why I did this, why I did that, and what where the influence for it was from, and all that. And then we sort of had to break it back down into, I suppose, more of a simple recipe, but still more info than what the videos had. So that was all outsourced and put together and made pretty. And I'm like, yeah, that looks really good. <laughs> and how is that distributed? Is that like a, a subscription service or an email service? How does that, how do yeah, people yeah, access that? Um, so anyone I think who is part of the heat beads monthly or, you know, the, the newsletters they do and all that, they send them out and then we just shared it on our socials as well. So once you've got that link, you can pretty much just save it in your browser and, you can just flick through like you would a magazine, but it's all digital. Oh, awesome. Okay, so it's a bit like that, um, the National Barbecue News Magazine. Um, yeah, yeah, which well. I've seen a few. I've seen a few like do it like that where, yeah, it's great. You don't obviously have to go down to the news agents or something and pick something up. It's just there and you just, you know, left and right, done. Yeah, there's some really um, interesting ones coming out with some of the full drive um, magazines and things that I oh, yeah. have been following yeah. over the years as well. They've sort of moved yeah. to a to a virtual platform there as well. So you, uh, you were writing the recipes, you were um, uh, building out the recipes, as you said, to sort of include some of the steps that are second nature to you, but you needed to, to write out yeah. for readers who might not be as familiar with it all. Um, yep. I'm assuming that you were taking all your own photos because you're pretty handy at that. We've already discussed that. Um, and then you send it off to the, uh, to the outsourcers as well. So what sort of, yeah. um, like, people can, can contact you through that magazine and then sort of uh, get give you feedback on, um, how, on, on how they're going with your recipes or how does that side of it work? I'm not entirely sure how that works, but I know, like, because, you know, Heatbeat shared it on their page and I've shared it on my page and you have had a lot of people, like, say, we've used this recipe and it's come up good. We did, I, I did a giveaway. I've done actually, I think, two giveaways. But I think we did a giveaway collabed with heat beads where you could win a merch pack from them and some merch from me. And it was who would use rest, who would use the recipes and actually to post your results. And I think I opened it for a week or so, two weeks or something maybe. And we got probably over nearly a hundred entries of different people who would use different recipes. And then I had to pick like some of them had done really, really good. Like the food looked amazing. And obviously it's only, there was videos as well, but um, it was great seeing people use the recipe. Yeah, it was awesome. That's got to be a great feeling, man. So good. Now, speaking yeah. of recipes, I'm I'm gonna sort of change uh, change track here. Um, you, you you mentioned that you did really well with with chicken. Can you give us a bit of a bit of a rundown, some some tips and tricks for coming up with some delicious delicious chicken? Well, the chicken originally the chicken as the recipe JB made the glaze. It was sort of a sweet, very sweet, fruity glaze. Quite different from a lot of the glazes you get on the market like a lot of them are sweet this just it was very fruity and it worked um so at the start of the early days we did chicken wings and chicken breast i couldn't cook i can cook wings but i couldn't do the breast the same way jb did so i was like what are we going to do so we went into trying to do pillows which most comp guys will understand what they are they're like a little rectangular sort of chicken thigh tried them once or twice at home couldn't do it so i gave up so then I was like, what's the other one? Cupcake chicken. So then we practice cupcake chicken once or twice where they, you know, you shape them like a little cupcake, you flip them upside down, they sit in a tr silicon tray, you've got holes so this sits in stock, so the stock helps cook them all. Um, there's butter, 
you get them the perfect shape, flip them over, glaze them. And we started winning trophies with it. And it was just like, I, even to this day, I still suck at doing pillows. So it's just cupcakes every time for me. <laughs> Mate, those, those pillows are a nightmare to, to prepare. Yeah, yeah. Too much I, um, work for me. <laughs> mate, I, I went out and I, I bought a jacquard because I saw people, when I was first getting into competition barbecue, scraping the chicken skin. I just went, yep. no. Nope, yeah, well, that's, that's not happening. We don't, <laughs> that's one thing I actually enjoy. I really enjoy comp, like chicken prep. So really? my little secret, well, not secret because everyone does it these days, but everyone's jacquarding. I just found it was from you know your Bunnings or whatever hardware store. And it was a like paint scraper blade, like a hundred mil wide by fifteen mil hide, and I could get through a skin in about 10, 15 seconds. Done. Back to like, you know, perfectly clear skin. All the fat removed, and yeah, never looked back. <laughs> You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Boomer, we're jumping into the third part of the show now, and this is our lesson time. So um, to the listeners who are, sorry, to the viewers who are watching live um, as we're recording this in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook, it's time to start popping those questions into the comments there because we're going to have a lesson from Boomer, and then we're going to put your questions to him. So start start sending those questions through now. All right, so Boomer, you're going to tell us about some uh, some of your tips and tricks to help people really up their barbecue game. So I'm going to throw yep. it over to you. and. Uh, impart some wisdom to us. Okay. Well, mine, I think, and it's what a lot of people usually ask, like whether it be mates or whoever, like, especially with barbecue, it seems daunting at first. And it it, it is, but it isn't. Um, obviously, you've got the fire, but we're cooking at low heat. So as long as you're cooking at low heat and it's indirect, Drums and all that are a little bit different, but if you're cooking at low heat and indirect, you don't have to worry about burning the meat generally. So a lot of people worry that they're going to overcook and all that sort of stuff. But once you understand the fire and then you're starting to cook the meat, the biggest hurdle is actually getting the doneness right. So a lot of people are always complaining about the meat's underdone, uh, sorry, overdone and it's dry. But you need to learn that um, undercooked barbecue will eat as if it's dry and overcooked barbecue will actually start falling apart. So that once you get your head around that generally, like if you keep cooking pulled pork and pulled lamb, it is going to fall apart at some point and then it may dry out. But if you've cut into it or tried to rip it apart, and it's tough and dry. It's because it's not cooked yet. You need to cook it longer or it needs to be cooked hotter to speed up the process of breaking all the meat down. So I think that's the biggest sort of, that's my biggest thing that I try to always explain to people is in understand the fire, get that to where you know if it's too hot, too cold, but it's indirect heat, and then it's just getting the doneness right. And I, I, that's, I always harp on about it is that if it's tasting dry or it's tough, it means you haven't cooked it long enough. It's not ready yet. Um, and you've got to be patient. Like patience, patience is the key. And I suppose that's why I sort of picked it up pretty easily at the start because I'm quite lazy. So... <laughs> I'm happy just to sit around like, you know, if you guess want to eat, bad luck. But if you've got the time and you're happy not to just keep checking it on, you don't have to keep looking at it every 10 minutes, just let the meat do its thing. And as I said, the, the temperatures you're cooking at generally, you're not going to burn the meat. So don't worry about looking at it. Just cook it until it's actually done. Yeah, nice one, nice one. Now, 
when you are learning how to judge doneness, how do you go about doing that? I mean, obviously you've cooked thousands and thousands and thousands of kilos of meat. So you've sort of, you know, yep. you've, you've, you've got it all down, but um, for viewers and listeners who are just getting into it, how, yep. what can they do to, to know when it's done? Yeah. Well, if you, if, for instance, if you're cooking steak and you wanted to desire doneness, a thermometer helps because your medium rare temperature or your medium temperature or whatever you want, that temperature doesn't stay the same. So what, I'm uh, sorry, it does stay the same. I'll get that right. It does stay the same. So every time you cook it, that temperature is going to be the same each time you want medium rare. So if you get that temperature in the middle of the steak, that's easy. You know, you've cooked it to that temp. You know, it's going to be medium or it's going to be medium rare. In terms of your doneness for your barbecue cuts, like brisket and pulled, your pulled meats or your ribs, or there's internal temps, but they're, they're really hard as to guide. So you can use a thermometer, you get them up around to whether it be, you know, 203 Fahrenheit or 95 Celsius for a brisket, but it could also be done five or 10 degrees either side of it. So that's when you've got to start understanding the feel of barbecue. So I use a probe all the time, but I'm not looking for temperature these days. I'm sliding the probe in and out. If it's going in like it's, you know, warm butter and there's no resistance, I know it's done. Same as like your pulled meats, same thing, no resistance. Or if you can almost wiggle the bone out, you know it's done. So you've got to remember that internal temps are just a guide for you. And then you've really got to work on your skills to start understanding uh, doneness. And that's not, that is from experience. You cook more and more and you get better at it. But uh, it's it's not just a given. You can't just go up a, t- a temperature. Temperatures never really work. You need to start working on what the meat feels like, how's it behaving, to know when it's done. Yeah, yeah, cool. Now, when you say probe, you're talking about a like an instant read thermometer, right? It's got like a toothpick yeah, yeah. sort of spike on it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've just got a, a couple of I run or whatever they are, thermo pens these days, and they're brilliant. But as I said, I, I generally don't even look at the temperature anymore. I'm just using the metal probe because it's there. Right. So if, if the viewers and the listeners wanted to go sort of low tech, cheaper options while they're feeling it out and getting a deciding for something for them, could they use like toothpicks or, um, yep, definitely, uh, definitely, definitely. Or just a metal or, yep. spot on, spot on. Nice. And so when it's, when it probes like butter, it's done. Yep, exactly. With most cuts anyway, that's all you're sort of looking for. You just, you know, you've got it. The meat has no resistance. You know, it's pretty much done. So good, yeah. Now, what um, what tips would you have for for learning proper fire management? Because that was one of the other uh, one of the other things yeah. that you were talking about as well. Yeah. So fire management, um, you really got to use good fuel, uh, good fuel to begin with. Now, that's where I said I, I I do like I use heap eats briquettes and heap eats lime charcoal, and they, each one I use in different barbecues. Like so, for for the drums and the ceramics, I use lump because that's how they run. They run brilliant, uh, brilliantly on them. Um, you, or your kettles, your bullets, I might run briquettes. And understanding fire control, it's more, it's still practice, but obviously having the fuel lit to begin. So many people seem to struggle with actually knowing when the fuel's lit to begin. So charcoal, like the chimney starters, which is, you know, it's like a little basket that you put your fuel in, you light them over some fire lighters, you get, make sure they're lit. And then half your battle's actually already done because a lot of people do tip fuel in and then half an hour later, they're like, it's gone out already. And it's like, well, it wasn't actually lit to begin. You've got to make sure your fuel's lit. 
And then when you've got, depending on the pit, like whether it be a bullet or offsets you play around with, because obviously you're throwing logs in, but bullets, webbers, all those sort of things, I tend to always try to have the top vent, vent open. So it lets all the smoke out, doesn't get stagnant. And then try to get your bottom vent. Once your temperature's stable and where it needs to be, just don't touch the thing. Like unless the temps keep going up and down, but you can also have fluctuations. Like when I'm cooking, I don't mind if a temp goes up and down 50 or so Fahrenheit. I'm happy to cook at 250 to 350 Fahrenheit. So a lot of people are really set on trying to keep the temp stable the whole time. It's not the end of the world if it doesn't. So I used to chase temps always, but now I'm like, if it's between 250, 350, I'm laughing. It's not going to burn. Meat's going to cook. Um, yeah, make sure it's lit. Don't keep playing with your vents. Just, you know, ride, ride the cook and let it go. Nice, nice. Now, I'm curious about one phrase that you did use before there. You said stagnant air. Can you tell us a little bit more about what yep. that is and why you want to avoid that? So I suppose, same as with fire control, going back to that a little bit, you don't want to trap. Like, you want a clean burning fire. Like you said at the start of the show, the thin blue smoke, it's exactly what you're aiming for. So most barbecues in one way or another has an exhaust at the top or the heat obviously goes through the exhaust. So you fire, where you actually control the flow of the air is from the bottom or the, where the firebox is. That's what lets the air in and that's how you can get, you know, the more air, the hotter it is, the less air, the colder it is. So if you're shutting that top vent and closing it down, yes, you're, ch you're choking it, the fire in a way as well but you're actually trapping the heat and well, not the heat, sorry, you're trapping the smoke in there. So you need that smoke to continue to flow or it can get bitter. Your meat's going to taste not as nice as it should. So I tend to always have my exhaust fully open and just adjust your airflow at the bottom or at your firebox. And you generally will always have clean burning, you know, a clean burning fire, which is what you want. You know, the good smoke is the smoke you can't see. Very well said, man. Very nice advice over there. All right, well, that's probably a good time now. We're going to uh, start rounding up the episode. So I'm going to throw the studio yep. over to you now. Give some shout-outs to who you'd like to, some thanks, and tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Yep, so obviously, first and foremost is Heat Beads. They've had my back for quite a few years now, and I always used to use their products anyway. So when that sort of partnership happened, I was like, awesome. <laughs> should have happened earlier. I should have pulled my finger out. But, um, <laughs> So that's, that's first and foremost. Um, secondly, the wife and the kids who have to put up with all my stupid photos of taking food. Like I've now learned that I cook Courtney's and the kids' food first, and then I go outside and take my pictures and eat cold food sometimes. Um, obviously, the teammates, everyone I've cooked with, whether it be Full Metal or Kamikaze or Just Means and all that sort of stuff, all the amateur teams, anyone who's you know happy to reach out to or who has reached out to me and wants to listen to me talk crap or what I think is works in the barbecue world and uh, yeah, all, all the good people in there, I guess, you know. Really nice, man. Really nice. Okay. And just make sure that we can, um, that we can all track you down on the uh, social media yep, as well. Yeah, sorry. Well, that's a real easy one. <laughs> Boomers Barbecue on Instagram, Boomers Barbecue on Facebook. Um, they're the main two. I really, Facebook's my main one. It's got the best engagement. Um, I check it a lot more regularly, I guess. But um, yeah, we've put all the videos up on Heatbeads. So the 30 or whatever videos we've done are all on the Heatbeads page as well on YouTube. Um, so you can find them through there. And then you can find the links to the uh, mobile mag on both of our pages as well. 
sounds awesome, man. You're doing some great work out there, and you have been doing it for a really long time. So yeah, it's, geez, it's, it's, it, it's been a real privilege to have such a cornerstone of the Aussie barbecue scene come into the show today. So thank you very much for your time. Well, thank, thanks for having me, mate. Much appreciated. <laughs> And there you have it, family. That was Boomer from Boomer's Barbecue. As I did say, he is a cornerstone of the barbecue scene here in Australia. He's been running around since the beginning. He's got um, one of the biggest uh, Australian uh, profiles on Instagram. Go check him out there. He's got some wild-looking photos on there, really inspirational-looking stuff. And he's doing a lot um, sort of helping out, as we discussed there, helping out new teams and um, forming new teams and all this sort of stuff, putting different projects together. And he's got some great content out there as well. Those videos, the magazine. So do jump on over to um, the Heat Beads website and the Heat Beads YouTube channel. Check out that as well. Um, I mean, you know, the the level that he's playing at, he's working with some like all high level people, Jay and Heat Beads and all the rest of them. So, you know, he's really starting to uh, to see the rewards of all that work he's putting in, which is absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, okay, so that is about all the time we have for today. Before you do go, though, um, just a quick shout out again to our Heat Beads uh, podcast partner for today. It's been great to have them on board. Um, they are a huge part of the barbecue scene. Do check out their products. We love the Heat Beads ch- lump charcoal, the hardwood lump charcoal here. So do grab yourself a bag of that and cook yourself up something delicious. There is our heat, our our heat book. Our ebook is also available for you over on the smokycockconfessions.com website. Go on, check that out. Have a click around. We'll send it out to you through the uh, little pop-up window that will appear. And do come join us on the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook so you can come in and you can be part of the show with us as well as we record it live in that group there. And that is about all the time we do have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>